2 Chronicles 7.14 says, that's not my text, but the Lord spoke and said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, that talks about fasting, humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. It's a principle. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. And um, I'm asking this week again that for this week ending on Saturday that you would end your fast on Saturday. But no media this week. And I'm asking us to be seeking God three times a day. We've done prayer revivals in the evenings historically in this church, but this week I'd like us to do one in the morning. And so I'm asking everybody that can to meet me here at 7 a.m. If you're working, I understand. Uh, But 7 a.m., I cannot on Friday because I'll be preaching a camp meeting. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, but I'll have someone to lead that Friday morning. If you can be here uh, Monday through Friday, we're going to be praying. Of course, Friday night starts 24-hour prayer. I'm asking this whole congregation to sign up for that come and be a part of 24-hour prayer the question would be why when we're content there's no reason to pray when we're satisfied with everything going on we look around us there's no burden there's no passion we don't see any reason for anybody to be saved there's no reason to fast but in Isaiah he said is this not the fast that I have chosen that's what he said in the book of Isaiah why he said to set the captive free to open the blind eye, to deliver those that are broken. Amen. And I'm telling you, it will happen if we'll fast and we'll pray. You will see delivering power in people's lives. Can you say amen? So I'm asking you to join me at 7 a.m. for prayer Monday through Friday. And um, I'm asking you to pray midday and also in the evenings. I want you to pray begin to seek God. Why? Because Sunday night, we're having a crusade here with Brother Jack Cunningham. We want to be emptied out of ourselves so we can be hungry for God. Something he preaches all over the world. God has sent this man to this church and for this city and our region. And something's going to be imparted in the spirit that's going to forever change us. Do you believe that? Oh, clap your hands and praise him for what he's going to do. I believe if you will be here Sunday night, you will witness notable miracles as great as in the book of Acts and the Gospels. You want to be here. I'm convinced there's going to be people healed of cancer, diabetes. There's going to be people healed of liver diseases, degenerative disc issues. Come on, I'm telling you, how many believe God's able to do that? He said, I will heal your land. There's going to be people that have addictions. They're going to be set free people under the bondage that are going to be delivered. Amen. I think you ought to worship with me for what God is getting ready to do. We praise you. Come on. If you know people suffering with anxiety and fear and depression and emotional issues, bring them to church. God's going to heal them. Amen. Just a few weeks ago, I watched a lady with one leg shorter than the other due to a crippled issue when she was five years old in that in that service, God healed that lady after decades of being crippled. Amen. I saw a guy get healed right here one time. He said, I need prayer. I said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. When he turned around, his eyes were blurry with his glasses on. 
he had to take his glasses off to see clearly because God had healed his eyes. He no longer needed glasses. Sister Sherry, you remember that day? He came in a couple days later. He came in and I heard this man out in the foyer in, in my office area, in our, in our office complex. And they said, hey, a man's come to see you. I went out there. I went out there and he was jumping up and down. He was in his 60s. He said, sometimes I have to ride in one of those motorized carts, wheelchair type of deal because I've been crippled. He said, but I went out the last two days. I've been working. I am pain free. God has healed my body. I'm telling you, there's still power in the name of Jesus. Amen. There's nothing too great for God to do. I don't want to just, I don't want to just sit in some mundane church carved out of the womb of philosophy of religion and we just come and go through the routines I believe that there is a God that is alive and he cares about his people and when you call upon him he responds do you believe he can heal amen 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 well praise God that's not my message but that's our direction Proverbs chapter 25 verse 11 over the last week, I felt like preaching to you today on a word fitly spoken. That's what I'm going to talk about today. Let's look and see what the scripture says about it. A word fitly spoken. Somebody say a word fitly spoken. Are you ready? A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. You have to understand they didn't have Kodak and Apple iPhones in those days to take pictures with. They would have been carvings. Some translations believe it means apples of gold in, in a basket of silver. I do not believe that. I believe it was if the silver was the background or what was being carved into like a plate of silver, a plate or a, a picture. They would carved apples into that with excellent carving ability. And it would have been apples of gold carved into the picture or the carving of silver. And it seems to me that a word spoken in your life carves something into the value of who you are and brings more value to who you are. What a lot of times people do not understand, they're already valued, they, but they don't know it. But when someone gives a fit word, some translations believe it means advice, but I do not believe it means just advice. I believe it can mean an encouraging word, a praise. That inside of that, Sister Barrientos, that the word spoken all of a sudden allows those that are already valued feel not only valuable, but more valuable. Thank God for people that are encouragers. Oh, that was weak response. But you all need it because we all want to be accepted, do we not? How many wants to be accepted by God? Let's look at another verse here before we're seated. And it says in the book of Genesis chapter 4, sometimes people have a hard time being accepted. Speaking to Cain, Verse 5, Genesis 4 and 5. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, meaning God didn't respect his decision. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. 
very angry at God because God didn't accept his choice. Amen? It says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why art you angry? And why is thy countenance fallen? You could see it on his face. You ever seen somebody get mad? Before you heard him get mad? I mean, I'm talking about it's all over the face. He said, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? If you do right, you'll be accepted. What'd he say? And if thou doest not well, sin, or someone said, a predator lieth at the door. I'd like to preach to you today simply a word fitly spoken. A word fitly spoken. I want you to lay your Bibles down and I want you to lift your hands toward heaven. The Bible said lift your heart with your hands and ask God to speak to your spirit. Would you do that? Lord, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, that's it. I want you to reach out to the Lord right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing and what you're about to do, oh God. We need you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Come on, that's it, all over the building. I'm asking you to speak today to every heart, every mind, every soul, every person. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you clap your hands again and give God a high praise? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Magnify the Lord with me. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Before you're seated, I want you to step across the aisle, greet a few people. Tell them that the shirt looks good and the hairdo looks nice. Encourage somebody for a moment. Somebody say amen. amen. I'm just glad for the power of his spirit in our lives. Why don't you clap your hands and thank God for his word. I preached a message here on a Sunday evening two weeks in a row, earlier part of last year. And uh, I don't know how you do do your devotion with God but there used to be that part of me that wanted to read the Bible through in a year and get so many chapters in in a day and and uh, it felt good to say that I had read the Bible through and and um, but I found a lot of times if we're not careful we will run through scripture like on a hurried way to work and you pass up a lot of beautiful sights on the way you made it to the destination but you missed all the beautiful things between your beginning point and stopping point. I don't know how many times growing up I've read the word and then the next night forget which chapter I ended on and start reading and get halfway through the chapter and find myself that, you know what, I read this last night. Anybody ever been there? 
Yeah. Because you're reading out of obligation, but you're not searching the scripture. You're not, you're not really um, taking it all in and metabolizing the word. The scripture says it's like honey to the lips. When you are really looking and hungry and searching and not just doing it out of a job but a joy, stuff begins to surface out of the scripture to you for your life. Felt like the guy that was just dragging his feet down the path and all of a sudden my foot caught on something. When I was doing my devotion last year and when I began to dig at it with my foot in the verse and the scripture, all of a sudden a golden nugget popped up. Something I saw that was so valuable. And I read it to you today in Genesis chapter 44. It's when, it's when Judah made a statement. For thy servant became surety. Everybody say surety. For the lad or the young man unto my father saying, if I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. I want you to let, verse 34, I want you to let the lad go. And I preached to this church, let the lad go. I later preached this message at a conference earlier this year called Let Judah Speak. What does Judah mean? When Judah was born, he was the third child of Leah. Leah felt hated by her husband because he loved Rachel. And she had had uh, 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 Reuben and then she had Simeon and she said, she said, because God has seen my, my, my bitterness, God has seen that I've been rejected. But when Judas was born, he's born and, and she begins to say, I'm just gonna praise the Lord. I'm not gonna worry about what everybody else is thinking of me. I'm just gonna let my lot unfold and I'm just gonna praise God because God's got my future. Can you say amen? After she began to think about that and begin to praise God, everybody shout praise God. Oh, praise comes in a lot of forms. People go to the football game, the basketball game, and when something great happens, you know, they, they get happy and they clap their hands and they root for their team. I don't understand, you know, they go all out. They, it's, it's, it's 15 degrees outside, they don't have a shirt on and four of them are lined up. One's got an O, the other one's got an H painted on his chest. The other guy's got an I, the other one's got an O and the crowd screams. You know, somebody didn't understand sports, well, look at that, say, those people are crazy. He got this guy with all these Buckeyes around his neck. His, his face is painted. He's the Buckeye. He doesn't miss a game, and he's rooting. He's a fan. It's natural for people to praise things that they like. It is. They get happy about things that they enjoy. That's right. And so you got to understand praise is a part of our nature, whether we're praising or desiring to be praised. You didn't put that outfit on today hoping somebody come up and say, you look terrible. Come on, you didn't get all fixed up, spend all that time on your hair like I did. For somebody come up and say, I don't like your hair. No, you liked it when you stood before your spouse or maybe the children stood. Does this look okay? Does the tie match? Because you know you, you know you need to have some type of approval and we call that Praise. The Bible says that praise is comely. 
Praise is attractive. What is praise? It's telling something about how thankful you are, how good something is. That is praise. And she said, I've been bitter. I've been hated. But you know what I'm just going to do? I'm just going to praise God because he knows where I'm at. He does accept me. God sees me for who I am. I am valuable. I want everybody to shout, I am valuable. You are the plate of silver. You are the plate of silver that God has already put value in. When you were born, you were made in his image. You were already valuable. When you were a baby, you didn't even know what language you would speak. You didn't have a clue of anything around you. Through knowledge, you begin to learn. But you were valuable when you took your first breath. You were valuable when you were in the womb. Because Jeremiah 1 and 5 says, Before he formed me in the womb, he knew me and he ordained me a prophet. So you can call me whatever you want to, but God has value in me. When you were conceived in the womb, you were valuable to God. Amen. At six weeks, six weeks into the pregnancy, there's already a heartbeat that can be detected. There's already a thumbprint or fingerprint that's individualized from anybody else that's ever been made. You are individual to him. And I feel like preaching on a Sunday morning. You are valuable to God. You've been beautifully and wonderfully made. So quit talking about you're not tall enough or you're not short enough. Quit talking about you're not good looking enough. That you're not pretty enough. If your hair was this color, or if your hair was that color, if you would have been born here, or if you had been born over there, if your skin was this color, or was that color, quit talking about what you're not and start valuing who you really are. You are a picture of silver. You are already valuable to God. Amen. Let me tell you how the devil does. He knows where you, in your, where you are insecure. He studies you like a serpent waiting on the moment to strike its prey. He waits till he finds out where you think your flaw is. Somebody the other day, they said, sometimes it's hard for me to minister because I feel like I'm not where I need to be with God. I said, is sin in your life? They said, no. And I looked at them and I told them, the problem is not that God doesn't love you. The problem is that at that moment you feel like God doesn't love you. Your confidence, your confidence is suppressed down and your insecurity is magnified in when you feel God is against you. I said it's a, it's a personality issue. I said what you've got to understand, he's good to me whether I've been good or not. He loves me whether I've been good or not. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I said, I know you, you're a righteous man, but you get in your head that things are against you because you don't feel valuable. But what would happen if you could look into the mirror of life and say, I have been made by God, destined for this time, that God has a plan for my life. Somebody shout, he's got a plan for my life. It's amazing that when Leah starts praising God, the next child that she has is named Levi and she prophesies. She says, when Levi is born, my son or my husband shall now be joined unto me. See, when you start praising and start trusting 
and start believing that you are valuable, you'll start speaking life. People that do not feel valued speak death. They feel hopeless. They, they feel like unaccomplished, never will accomplish. But probably one of the most attractive words or attractive characteristics about someone is the word confidence. They're comfortable being who they are. That's an element of faith to have common. The Bible says, cast not therefore away your confidence. Everybody shout confidence. And uh, we follow crowds and fads and waves when you ought to just be you. Everybody's got to wear what everybody else is wearing, do what everybody else is doing, fix their hair a certain way because that's what everybody else is doing. Why don't you just be yourself? Don't be tossed to and fro with every wind, the Bible says. I believe it's principle. And if we're not careful, we will start only feeling value if we fit in with what everybody else is doing. And if that's the case, when everybody else is sinning, the only way you'll feel value is if everybody else, if you're sinning like everybody else is sinning. The Bible says straight as the gate narrows the way which leads to life. Few there be that find it. I'd say the confident find it. But straight as the way... And broad as straight as the gate, broad as the way which leads to destruction, and many go that direction. They just do what everybody else is doing because they don't know who they are. Somebody said, any dead fish can float downstream. Would you give me a salmon that jumps up the waterfall? Says, I will go against the opposition because I've got a destination and it's multiplication. See, God wants to do something great in your life, but you're looking around and seeing where everything is going. It just goes with the flow. Don't go with the flow of culture or you will never find out who you are. You need to lift your eyes to the hills which comes your help and say, God has a destiny for my life. Let me, let, let me, let me talk to you a little bit. I, I, I mention media every now and then talking about social media because it's an epidemic right now in our culture and everybody's living in comparisons and people only put on media what they uh, think will allow them to be accepted. Uh, makes them look better. You know, you make yourself look better than what you really are, right? Yeah, they, they say there's Snapchat out there, which I don't recommend for anybody's phone, but True. True. But they, they do all these, these, these upgrades. And you can online make, make yourself appear the way you know you're really not. Yeah, it's filtered, right? There was a country song one time talking about, you know, the guy online. He was really short and dumpy, but online he was like 6'3 and muscular and you know, you can make yourself be whatever you want to be. And um, if we're not careful, we will live in a constant state of comparison to where we're never content being who God made us to be. And in our culture, in our culture, we live in this not good enough and not being, uh, not being, you know, you know where I'm at. Many of you in this room right now are struggling with what I'm preaching about. And you change yourself so much because you don't value who you are. Uh, you, 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 you know, what, what's wrong with looking good for your age instead of looking young for your age? 
I mean, what's wrong with looking good for your age? But we live in a culture that says you've got to look 20 years younger. You're, you're, you, you know, you're not. Well, where did that come from? It's culture. The Bible says, Bible says to flee youthful lusts. And the guy that's 60 wants to appear 40. And uh, uh, the lady that's 80 wants to appear as if she's 45. And we live in that culture of, uh, of this. And man, I'm insulting some people right now. Well, I just, pastor, don't get the knife out and cut us today, you know. But we live in a culture that says don't ever be. And so the youth want to look older and, and the older will look younger and the middle age just they doesn't have a clue where they are, you know. And, and um, we live in this, you know, you get a job, it's paying good, but he got that car and I can't get it, so I go in debt to get the car so I fit in with certain category of people. If you're not, you'll be all over the place. And, yeah, understand when you know who you are, you don't have to have a, a certain house or a certain car to make you feel valuable. That's right. You don't have to have status. You, you know, you know on media, social media, you can buy followers. You can buy followers and likes. Well, oh, I'm rambling right now. You can buy followers and buy likes to make it appear more, you have more, you have people following you and liking you. How in the world people get so insecure? They gotta have to appear like they have a lot of friends. They have to appear like people like their images. Let me tell you something, we better get a hold of this because it's driving our youth to suicide because they're never satisfied being them. But I come to be a voice of a fitly word to say you don't have to have that many followers to be validated. I like songs like, I know who I am. I know who I am. I know who I am. I am yours. I am yours. You are, be, you belong to God. He's written your name in the Lamb's book of life. There's not a devil in hell that can remove you from what God has for you. He'll move the mountains. He'll move the obstacles to pave a way for your life. Come on, jump your feet and help me preach for a minute. I know who I am. I belong to God. Somebody say amen. amen. Be seated for a moment. But there's also the flip side of what I'm talking about. is to reject what's right. To do what's wrong. And say, why aren't you accepting me? Everybody has a desire or a passion to be accepted. But we live in a generation that now says you can live any way you want and you better accept me. It's no longer, no longer just being tolerated. You know, you have to tolerate me. No, you need to accept me. What that means was, even though you wouldn't be like I am, you need to believe I'm okay. It's okay for me to live the way I'm living. It's okay for me to make these decisions the way I'm doing it. And for you to not accept me means you don't love me and that's a lie. I cannot accept you for how you're living and still love you. Well, you don't accept me, you don't love me. That's a lie. I want everybody to say that's a lie. He told Cain. I never thought of this before. 
But Cain did not give the right sacrifice. He did it his way. I've taught it and I'm not going to go into detail about it. But he did not do it the way God wanted it to be done. And Abel gets blessed because he obeys, right? Mom, I'm just a sloppy person. I'm, I, it wasn't meant for me to clean my room. It's just who I am. I'm a slob. You get up there and clean that room right now or I'm gonna. You don't love me. You don't accept me. <laughs> I think it's funny what I just said. I don't know if you do, but I think that's funny. But that's how people do. just not a person that's a steward. I don't pay my bills. Can't believe they came and took the car and turned off the power. You know, society's against me. I mean, I wasn't made to work a job. God wanted me to sit on the couch, eat potato chips and bad food and watch court shows about people. God designed me to be a, a soap opera fiend and watch marriages break up and cause God knows I love drama. See, there's a flip side. And we say, oh, that's silly and I just made all that up off the cuff by the way, but He said, Cain, if you, do not, if you do well, you'll be accepted. If you do right, you know, you're training your children up. If we're not careful, we'll just tolerate them, allow them to ruin their lives. And let their guilt trips make us feel like they don't think that I love them, so I need to pull back. The Bible says to train up a child. You raise chickens, you train children. And to be on their case, they're going to feel distant at times. They're going to feel not accepted. And they do not need to feel accepted when they're doing wrong. How many times have I heard parents say to the children, Oh, it's okay. It's not okay. It's okay. It's not okay. If you do wrong, there's consequences. And they go to school and they get in trouble and the teacher writes them up, suspends them, and they bring it home to mom and daddy. And mom and daddy show up with a parent-teacher's conference and they chew the teacher out because little Johnny should be all right. He can't help it that he doesn't respect people in authority. He can't help it. It's just who he is. He's just wild by nature. He's just rebellious. But you, we believe it's going to lead to success because he can say whatever he wants to, whenever he wants to. He tells us he hates us, but we know he really doesn't mean it. At what point does acceptance remove righteousness? At what point does doing wrong cause everybody to change the way they think and say, well, you know what? And then they come up with doctrines like, you're your own God. 
You're your own individual. It's your own body and you can do whatever you want to with it. What in the world? You go to other countries and we're following other countries. I don't care how much we say we're leaders as America. We are Europeanizing America. And then if you want to take your life, it's your life. Suicide pills close to being voted in in another country. When I was there, they almost voted in a suicide pill. Just on a day you don't feel like living, you can take that pill. Now I'm going to tell you right now, it is not the will of God to devalue your life. Come on. There's some things you do not do with your body. I don't care how much you want to have sex before marriage. The Bible says it's sin. It will be followed by depression and guilt and bondage. I can't tell you how many times I've linked depression to sin. People cutting themselves. People doing things numb. And I know it's tough in here right now, but let me just preach truth right now to you. See, there's a reason that God says don't do it. Every time there's a do not, it's because it's gonna bring repercussions to your life that are painful for you to deal with. God's not holding you from something great. He's trying to keep you valued. You go sleep with everything under the sun. You go have sex with just whoever because that's just how you feel accepted. Let me tell you, you're gonna feel not accepted and not valuable. But I hear today on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross. You know why I cherish it? Because you come in here trying every way to get accepted. But when you come to the knees and say, I messed it up. I've done some things wrong. I don't want to feel rejected any longer. God, I'm asking you to forgive me. Guess what he does? He lifts your chin and said, today's a brand new day. Today's a beginning for you. I had a plan the whole time. Somebody say amen. Just because you fornicated doesn't mean it's over. Just because you tried to find acceptance and love in an adulterous relationship doesn't mean that your world is over. He died so you can get up and fulfill your value plan in his life. Brother Gio, we better preach against things that are devaluing people. But we better preach about the blood and his mercy to renew, to restore the value of his people. Do you have any money on you? He's married. He's a newlywed. Elder, you have any money on you? Not any more than that, Brother Castle. You need fun saying that. Sister Kim, you're going to have to give him more of an allowance. My lad, Sister Teresa's not holding it back from you, praise God. Woo! I was just wanting 120, he handed me free. How many of you young people like to have that $20 bill right there? One of you. Come here. He raised his hand first. God likes first responders. I'm going to give it to you. 
Hold on. Oh, stop. Do you still want it? Do you still want it? Huh? He said, does it still have value? Hold on. Hold on. He didn't answer the question. Do you want it? Yes or no? You know why? Because he understands, though it's been torn and has a few flaws, it's still worth the same. I owe you you 20, not 60, amen. But my point, and I'm coming to a close, I want you to stand. I'll finish this next Sunday. But what I'm telling you, just because you've had some flaws and you've made some mistakes does not mean that God's no longer valuing you. You're still the picture of silver. You're still as valuable to God right now as you've ever been. He didn't accept your choices. He does accept you. Come on, did you hear what I'm preaching? He doesn't accept your choices. But Cain, I'll give you another chance. You can go back down to that altar and make it right. Cain, if you do well, you will be accepted. You know what he was saying? You messed up, Cain, but you're valuable. You messed up, but I still got a plan for your life. Everybody shout, I'm valuable to God. God is not a respecter of persons. He is a respecter of choices. Young people, everybody, listen to what I'm telling you. Because as much as I am carving into your plate as your pastor, apples of gold on your silver plate, your, 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 your silver rectangular square picture, if you will, that just solid background of a solid silver product that's valuable. I'm here every Sunday carving into your life value there's a purpose there's a destiny you're valuable to God you got to understand that there's an enemy coming up saying you're not anything there's no purpose for your life look what you did yesterday look who your mom and daddy are look what happened look where you come from look what they did look what you don't have and I come to tell you right now there's something inside of me that says I don't care what the devil's been telling you I know what the voice of your creator is saying you're valuable to him I'll pick up here next week but I'm asking this congregation right now have you not been doing well quit demanding God to accept your disobedience there's people that are watching online that you know right now you should be here but you chose to stay home because it fits your plan for some of you watching from cause you're in a different time zone hear me the hand of the Lord is on your life don't let yesterday's failures be tomorrow's predictions get on your knees and ask God to forgive you and he will I just I just you're just wrong 
You're not devalued. You're just doing wrong. That three-letter three word called sin just simply is missing the mark of your destiny. God has something better for you than a crack house and a bar stool. Come on. Been a broken life and a broken home and a broken emotion. It just must be my lot in life. I'm just going to be sad forever. That is not the will of God. There's so much worth and wealth in you. But somebody led you astray. He didn't come to save you from hell. Sister Annie, if Jesus came to save us from hell, then when we got saved, he'd have killed us. So we'd be in heaven. He'd have killed us on the spot. That'd be something called eternal life, wouldn't it? They got saved. Boom. Gone. Doesn't work that way. Because he didn't come to save you from hell. He came to save you from sin. So you don't have to live any longer therein. Sin always brings bondage. Hear me as I close. And Cain, for the rest of his life, because he rejected the second chance opportunity to be right. Instead, he got wroth instead of getting right. I can't tell you how many people over the years got mad at me. Mad at me instead of obey me. Because they wanted to do it their way. They blamed me, but it was their way that they wanted. You know what God did? He said, okay, I'm not going to let anybody touch you. Nobody can curse you. Nobody can come against you. But I'm going to let you go, and you'll be a vagabond. You will never, ever be satisfied you'll plant a field it'll never produce the crop that you expected you'll just barely get by and he said it's too much for a man to bear some of you in this building deep down you know there's a purpose there's a thriving but the devil has done everything he can to just get you in survival mode just, just get through the day if I can just through the day it is the trap of the enemy to put you in survival mode instead of making a difference how many of you want your life to count for something come on I, I, I see some people going how many want your life to count for something made a difference in somebody's life Emily I hear God saying in my spirit to this church, God is saying, I want you to be well. That's why he took stripes on his back to heal us of our infirmities and sicknesses. Well, you know, I just think God wants me to be sick. That's not true. God wants you to thrive in value and making a difference. Well, if I died today, nobody miss me. Hold on a minute. It's like the story, the Christmas story. It's a wonderful life. Do you look back and see, if you hadn't lived, he'd have died. If you hadn't lived, you would have made a difference. And the devil's keeping you from making a difference. Because right now, God, like a book, wants to unfold your story of greatness. 
But he cannot accept you when you do doing what you know is wrong. Well, everybody else is doing Well, he didn't call you to be like everybody else. I'm going to tell you, God brought you all to this church this morning to tell you he's got something greater than where you've been. I can see it in the spirit. I, I feel that. Leah saying, Levi, something great's coming around the corner. But if you stay where you are, you're going to get what you've always gotten. It's disappointment. I hear the Father calling this morning. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. Upon you, learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest for your souls. You're flooded your mind with media and music and videos and social media pages because there's no rest in your soul. You're running out of options. You scrolled all you can scroll and you still feel empty and unaccepted. But the Lord said, come, here's my hand. I'll accept you. You might have been rejected by your dad, but I'll be your father. Come on, you might have been rejected by your mom, but I've got a church for you that I love you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Sing a song. Every head bowed, and I want you to begin to pray all over the room. Talk to God the way you would me. Jesus, I need you.